0: Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host TK, a teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, I'm joined by return guest, pop culture scholar Christopher Maverick, one of the hosts of the Vox podcast, in a discussion about the emerging thematic trends of Phase 4 of the MCU. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at Idea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the episode. Today, I am joined by return guest Christopher Maverick. As I mentioned the last time he was on the podcast, Mav is a pop culture scholar whose PhD research areas include issues of race, class, gender, and sexuality in the 20th and 21st century American popular culture. Thanks for joining me again, Mav.
1: Thanks. I am excited. This is I. I was um happy, very happy listening to. Your takes on Loki, which I've been following for the last, I guess, six weeks. Yes, yeah, six weeks. <laughs> um, and I guess I, well, I, okay, I'm like, wait, this is being recorded in the future for the last eight weeks because I know <laughs> when I'm <laughs> so, right. so clearly I'm listening to two others, but um, yes. So I'm, I'm I, yeah, I'm happy to be here.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And I read on on your blog that you disagreed with my take on the finale of Loki and in fact had some strong opinions on that finale. And I'm really excited to talk to you about that in a little bit.
1: Yeah, you've not heard me talk about it. You've only, only, okay, because when when we're recording, you've... seen me write about it but not heard me talk about it yet oh that's this is gonna be this is really interesting because I'm actually in your future because I've already recorded that episode okay (laughs) but yes I do yes I had some I had some strong feelings but I don't think I don't think they're going to be as controversial as like I made out to be in the blog (laughs) but I'll talk about I'm happy to (laughs)
0: So it's like one of those things where you see the trailer and it makes you think that something's coming. That's not quite it. All right, I got you. Well, as I mentioned the last time you were on the show when you were here to discuss episode five of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when I first connected with you over social media, it was specifically related to the work that you do with the Vox podcast. So how's it going over on that show?
1: it's going it's been fun it's been really fun we've been um trying to like sort of branch out we added a fifth co-host which is actually um well it's been making my life easier at least it was for like two weeks and then she got covid and then so she, oh, <laughs> so she went down for a couple of weeks but she's she's feeling better now good, good. um but yeah we added um we've been doing that and and she's you know, for she's vaccinated and it Delta variant just really rough, so um, so everybody go out and get your shots. Um, but um, we've been we've been branching out. We've been trying to do um, more more wide variety of topics. Um, just because I I always find it interesting. What I love about Vox Pop is Vox Pop as a as a concept should always be let's learn something new about pop culture. And for my favorite shows, it's when I also get to learn something new about pop culture, you know, because I'm the one host who's on most often. So a lot of times it's sort of me running the topics. And so... So we've had some shows recently where it's just stuff that I don't really know anything about, which is great for me because, you know, I, I want to have fun, too. In fact, um, the show we're recording next week, I won't even be on because I'm too far outside. So it's just going to be fun to listen and and learn. And and it's always exciting. We've done everything from, you know, we've obviously we've got MCU shows, which is how you know I met you in the first place. But. But then we did a show. um, I guess last week, um, three weeks ago, for your listeners, um, we did a show on how alcohol works, like literally the history of the history and the culture around wine tasting and whiskey tastings. And we had we had a sommelier and and a whiskey expert on to just basically answer questions that like I didn't know about, which is fascinating to me. So so I'm having a lot of fun. I enjoy doing the show a lot.
0: Yeah, that episode was really awesome. I enjoyed that a lot. And it's so cool to see everything that falls under this umbrella of pop culture, you know, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and how your team approaches it. And to have a bunch of different voices on the team is is really, really cool. So that is the a- Vox Popcast for listeners mm-hmm. to check It's always out. fun
1: when you hear us argue. Which yeah. We don't. Uh, people think we argue a lot. We actually don't argue that much. But like, there's, a, there's, there's, there's fun little bickering sometimes when we disagree. Which is always a friend of mine always keeps calling it. It's, it's the geeky version of the view, which is, <laughs> <laughs> and that's, a, and, that's a, and that's a pretty good way of saying it. So, so yeah.
0: I don't know if there's any way to sell it better. I think the geeky version of The View it is. That's how we'll pitch it to listeners if you haven't checked it out already. And there's also a corresponding blog, which I just alluded to, the uh, Vox Populorum. And I will be putting links.
1: VoxPopcast.com.
0: VoxPopcast.com. There you go. Your link will be in the show notes. Thank you. And Mav, other than the Vox Podcast, I know you are busy doing many things. Are there any other projects yeah. that you've been working on that you wanted to talk a little bit about? Um, a lot of schoolwork.
1: work. I, I, well, I have another <laughs> podcast called um, "Gosh Gali." Oh, well, oh, gosh, oh, Gally, oh, wow. I always leave out the O's, but <laughs> oh, gosh, oh, Gally, oh, wow, which is. There's this comic book series called Excalibur, which uh, if you've got a lot of MCU fans. If they're also comic readers, they will um, have heard of it because there's a modern version of Excalibur that's being published right now. But we're not reading that. We're reading the one that started in 1989 and mm-hmm. ran to and ran for 10 years till 1999. It is one of my favorite comic book series of all time, and it's me and two other comic scholars, and we every. And a a different guest every week, but we every week we go through and we read the next issue chronologically, and we're like, let's just, there's you know, it's only ten years worth of comics. We. Every if we read one a week, we'll be done inside of like three years. And then you know we start doing it, and then it's like, oh wow, this is this is something that's going to take us three years. <laughs> it sort of taunts on you. Um, but we're 20, we're twenty something episodes into that. I think I don't remember what 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 one is available. But for me, I'm twenty six issue uh, issues in. So for t- last twenty six weeks, I've been just rereading one of my favorite comic books as a kid and sort of um addressing it as an adult in the same way it's more more so than like vox pop it's much more like your show here um more, more like there was an idea where we um where we we the way you're stepping through all the mcu movies though you're not going in order we're stepping through each ep- episode ish, each issue of this comic and cool. doing massive in-depth analysis and talking about um uh, the ways in which it, it it portrays a lot of stuff that's actually very innovative for 1989, 1990 as regards to, you know, very, very clear, but obvious um, innuendos and references to queer characters, uh, references to racial difference, references to um, like lots of things about sexuality and discovering yourself and identity sort of dressed up in this ridiculous, um, almost Doctor Who-esque, like farcical comic. That um, stars um, Kitty Pride, Nightcrawler, and Nightcrawler are the, probably the most famous two characters that your listeners might be familiar with, but also Captain Britain, his girlfriend Megan, and Phoenix, the daughter of Cyclops and Jean Grey from... Um, from the X-Men movies. And it's it's just silly and we love it. So it's a it's a time travel. Oh yeah. It's a it's very, it's very invested in time travel and dimension travel. So that's gonna be relevant for today. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but also just silly. So um, so I've been I've been doing that a lot. And then beyond that, it's just a lot of, you know, I have a job and stuff, like a uh, real, yeah. real job, but that's boring. <laughs> no one wants to hear about
0: that. <laughs> uh well, that sounds really neat. Thanks for sharing more about the oh gosh oh galley oh wow podcast. And I just have to Giggle at the list of list of names of the characters you mentioned: Kitty Pride, Nightcrawler, Captain Britain, Cyclops, Megan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, Megan. Her name is Megan. It's spelled with two G's. It's funny spelled. That's oh, okay, thing.
0: okay, all right. There you go.
1: Me- Megan. But yeah, <laughs> my she's, brain. She's just <laughs> Megan. She doesn't know the name. It's great.
0: <laughs> traditional Irish name compared with all of these like superhero names.
1: Pretty much is she's, uh, she's a blonde lady. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> one of the best characters.
0: It's fantastic. I would love to check it out at some point. But today we are going to be discussing Phase Four of the MCU so far, and it's early to be doing this or making any grand claims about Phase Four of the MCU <laughs> because while there have been a number, it feels like there's been a lot of content in it already because of the way the shows have been broken up and the amount of time that uh, the rollout of those shows one has, movie has been. All right, one movie. <laughs> Um, There's a lot more to come, but that being said, I felt like this was a good time to chat with somebody. I think you're the perfect person to chat with about what we're seeing as emerging trends or themes in this phase of the MCU and kind of talk about the, where these shows and where black widow kind of fit in what will be phase four and uh, what's working, what's not working, et cetera, and so on. So I wanted to start with the Disney plus series and you know, you Mm -hmm. and I talked a little bit about WandaVision for the round table that you did on the Vox podcast. And we also had the chance to talk a little bit about Falcon and the winter soldier here on this show. Some Mm -hmm. sense of your thoughts on Loki though, not much. Um, So yeah. So so I don't know where you want to start, but I do kind of just want to hear about your experiences with the three shows and comparing and contrasting them.
1: I liked all three of them. I liked all three of them a lot. I actually see. And from what I wrote, I think people thought I hated Loki. I did not. I loved Loki. I hated the last episode. I just hated the last episode and, and my fixes for that actually are, I hated the last episode for very, very particular reasons, which are not what most of the internet hated it for. Interesting. Um, people are like, oh, this is not, not, this is not how Kang's supposed to be. I don't care how Kang's supposed to be. Um, my problem with Loki, cause I'll start there because this is, cause it, it sort of explains where I am with everything else. Um. I didn't know what that show was going to be. It was the one that I was probably most looking forward to because it was just like, well, this is this seems weird. Right. Um, like I had a good idea of what WandaVision was going to be. And in retrospect, I think WandaVision is the one that I liked best, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that going in. When they announced them, I was just like, I know what I think WandaVision is going to be. And it was something a little better than that. So I enjoyed it. Um, I knew what I thought Falcon and Winter Soldier was gonna be, and it pretty much was exactly that. And I was fine with it. My, my criticisms of Falcon, Falcon and Winter Soldier are mostly due to, I'm pretty sure, them making do because they were filming during a pandemic and they right. had to just make COVID allowances, which makes some things weird. Um, my criticisms on Loki were, I didn't know what this was going to be. It seemed wacky and crazy. And it's like, I am looking forward to this. Um, after episode one, it was very clear it was not the show I was even guessing. I thought it was going to be Quantum Leap, and right. which is the show I love. And then it wasn't. And then it was more of a buddy cop thing, even than um, than Falcon and Winter Soldier was. And then it wasn't that anymore either. And then they introduced Sylvie, and I fall in love with Sylvie. I think that was great. I thought the interplay between, I'll say Loki and Sylvie, you know, uh, because it makes it simpler. But the interplay between this version of Loki and and this version of Sylvie Loki, um, I thought was brilliant when um, when she first shows up well, she first shows up for just like two seconds, but when she first has her first real episode, I'm, I'm suddenly completely on board and I'm, I'm very much on team ship. Um, you know, Oh my God, I can't wait till they kiss. <laughs> and then everybody's like, gross, yuck, ugh, um, incest. And I was like, no, it's not incest at, at, at worst, it's masturbation. Because,
0: <laughs> right, but exactly. But,
1: but, but they're different people. This is different and it's fascinating. And Loki is exactly the person who can only be in love with himself. I am 100% for this. When Loki becomes canonically bisexual, I'm like, yes, finally. Um, like everything about this, I'm loving. I love the interplay with Sylvie. Um, I believe she was really the main character more so than Hiddleston's Loki. Um, so I love that. And... My problem with it was it did the thing that everybody wanted out of WandaVision, everybody mm-hmm. but me, and which I said was stupid out of WandaVision, which was people were like, oh, I hope Mephisto shows up in the last episode. And was like, I don't want Mephisto to show up in the last episode. My wife's not a comic book fan. I do not want to explain to her who Mephisto is. <laughs> <laughs> like, do me do that organically. And then same people, people were doing the same thing with can't, can't wait till Kang shows up. Can't wait till Kang shows up. Five episodes, no Kang. Sixth episode, you drop a Kang on me and I don't care about Kang. Um, I'm a lifelong comic book fan. I know lots about Kang, but I am very good at turning off my brain and like not accepting uh, like. I there is there is a certain segment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe fandom who will be like, now this doesn't work because it was like this in the comic books. And right, it right. Should be like this and blah, blah blah blah. And I hate that. I can't stand that. This is not the comic books. This is a different story. Um, it does not have to. Thanos does not have to have the same motivation. Scarlet Witch does not have to work the same way. Pietro can die. Mm-hmm. These things can happen. It is a different storyline, and you have to accept. You you have to accept that. But that's got to work both ways. I don't know who Kang is as a as a current reader and I'm I want to be int- like knowing behind the scenes knowing that that's the direction they're going in I want to be interested in it but I was unable to find myself invested in that because I spent 5 weeks getting very invested in the story involving three characters who three protagonists Loki Mobius and Sylvie who I adored an antagonist that I was enjoying picking apart with with um, Ravenna. And then I they all had to take a backseat to introduce this new guy for 45 minutes. And I don't care. I just aggressively did not care about him. And I ended up resenting him for the entire episode in a way that almost entirely would have been fixed if they'd just given me a six episode or even just ended at five with them walking into... Um, Walking into the castle and then not knowing what happens. And if you move this to the beginning of season two, most of my problems with it go away Mm. because because Kang being the beginning of 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 another arc doesn't bother me nearly as much as feeling robbed of resolution and character development for Sylvie who I felt like like I felt like she wasn't the main character in her show anymore. And when she became the main character in the show, replacing Hiddleston or they were co-main characters, I was on board. When Ken comes out of nowhere to do it and it's not organic, um I it irritates me. And and so I found myself annoyed as a as a reader, as a viewer because I'm missing stuff that I that you know, I've now got to wait a year for them to film another season of the story that I'm interested in. And, and that makes me not want to give your new story a chance. Um, and I and I don't care that, yes, I realize he's going to shape his face for, but like what was great about the way Thanos was introduced in bits and pieces is, you know, you got Thanos, your first appearance of Thanos is a post-credit scene that is 15 seconds long. That's all you need. And then you give me another 15 seconds later and then you build up. So then when you build up to Endgame, game, which is part 20, You know, um, like, uh, you you know, um, once you get to part 20 and you're building up to this character, then sure, I'm on board, but I don't need him like shoehorned in this early um, because it makes it, it just can, it just serves to confuse me and confuse the organic narrative that I'm enjoying. So that was my only problem with it. I was actually completely on board with the series until then. And I don't think that episode was badly written. Even it was just an episode of a different show. and. I hated that. (laughs) It irritated me a lot. That said, your episode where you talked about it. Brilliant. Loved everything that you said. And I I actually said, you haven't heard it yet. You haven't heard it yet. But I actually say that live on my show, which you'll hear this week, where I say, yeah, like I enjoyed listening to you talk about it more than I enjoyed watching the show. Almost enough that it was worth me hating it. Almost (laughs) not quite, because I still want to see. I I still want to see the the Sylvie story that I wanted to see.
0: (laughs) You know, well thank you for that. That's really kind and I have to say hearing your critique right now it, it kind of makes me feel the same way that uh hearing your perspective on it I completely understand where you're coming from. In fact, I again not changing my mind about enjoying the episode or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I hear where you're coming from because I I think I even mentioned this in my conversation about episode 4 or 5 like I was not thinking they were going to show this character Kang or a variant of Kang, I guess, was which is what they did. But mm-hmm. I didn't think they were going to do it despite, you know, mumblings in podcasts and internet spaces that it might be happening because of all of the kind of clues that were laid or whatever it may be. But uh, my concern about it or what I thought the concern would be from the creatives involved in the show would be is exactly what you're talking about. People who mm-hmm. people who aren't tuned into internet buzz week to week. People who aren't comic fans, people who aren't up on the casting news that Jonathan Majors is going to be Kang, what are they going to mm-hmm. think <laughs> when you know the resolution of a, of a series, or we found out, you know, not of the series, but a resolution of a season should be, as you said, following the threads that were laid all along and coming to a resolution for the characters, you know, journeys in that season. The MCU doesn't really play by the rules (laughs) um and so in it was interesting that like in wandavision and falcon and the winter soldier i think some of the critiques were that the endings felt rushed and that they were attempting Mm -hmm. to almost play by rules a little bit more like okay big battle here we go like let's let's finish it and then in this show it's like we're not actually going to resolve this the way that you expect it to and instead it's almost like a backdoor pilot for what's coming next but it's not really a backdoor mm-hmm. pilot because it's all interconnected and whatever and this and that so i very much th- going into it didn't think we were going to see that character and if anything i thought maybe we'd see the post-credit scenes the more kind of um analogous to the thanos you know scene that mm-hmm. we got at the end of avengers ultimately uh i enjoyed jonathan major's performance so much and found him so dynamic. Well, that, I like him as
1: an actor. Yeah, he's, he's a great incredible. actor.
0: <laughs> so I, I enjoyed the mm-hmm. episode largely, but I have been curious if, if those who are unfamiliar with the comics and kind of like the MCU news ha- were like, what the heck? You totally lost me. And then to hear your perspective on it, I, I people ask me even more yeah. powerful because you are a comics person who's very familiar mm-hmm. and it's still undermined it for you. So, And I had people I mean,
1: I had other friends who just don't, it's it's weird when you're, when you're us. And by us, I don't just mean me and you, I mean, anyone listening to your show right. by virtue of listening to your show, someone is, um, the, the term I would use would be paratext. Someone right. is invested enough in paratext in, in metatextual information that they are listening to random people who had nothing to do with the production of this, of this show or the MCU, they're going to listen to us talk about it for an hour. Yeah. So you're involved in the greater world, but um my wife just sort of watches these. She doesn't care, right? Like she she cares, she enjoys them, but she but she and my friend a friend um I had I was talking my, with my friend Connie, it's funny I went to college with, been friend really good friends with her, and she doesn't read the trades. She does. She's not up to THR news or anything. She doesn't. You know. She knows. She's like. So to her, she's like okay there's the guy from that Cthulhu show (laughs) why is he there (laughs) like that's 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 where she's at she's like it's the dude from Lovecraft I don't understand where did he come from was he in an earlier episode that I missed and and then I have to say I have to explain well no they're doing this thing and he's gonna be you know he's gonna be the big bad now and he's gonna it's like and she's so it becomes like the the two of them are like okay sure but I want to know, like, is Sylvie going to be okay? What's going to, you know, right. or, or at least leave me with a question to where she should have been the central, the central focus, or Loki could have been the central focus. Either one. Um, I never got to see Mobius on a jet ski. I feel cheated. <laughs> 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 you know, like those are, like, like these are things that, uh, that like the show had sort of built to, and we lost in order to. In order to start another story, which is, is frankly interesting. And to be fair, I think that like in two years when I'm done with this and I've gotten through it, I will probably feel way better about this show. Once I, once I have all the pieces that are put together and yeah, the MCU, I mean, I trust that Feige is a very, is very good at what he does. And I'm, I trust that he has a plan, but I wouldn't have if this had been um, a a Warner Brothers, a DC property um, like the Snyder cut, that's the complaint I would have given it. Like I I had these complaints about watching Batman versus Superman where there's stuff in where Batman versus Superman stops. The, the action stops so that we can watch trailers for Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, and The Flash. Right. Like there's a point in, in those films, which which literally like we're going to watch trailers that Lex Luthor helpfully cut and left QuickTime videos of on this desktop. So you <laughs> can, like, it's so stupid. And like, and I said that was stupid at the time. That was my review of it. This is ridiculous and it's bad and it's insulting to me as a film core. <laughs> and, and I don't think it's fair for me to be, in, to be insulted by that on... A dc show and not insulted by it on a marvel show just because i think he might make it better later
0: yeah that's and he fair. probably
1: will make it better later but like but like at the at this moment with the information that i have available right now it's it's incomplete and and i and and that said something i know we're going to get to so you know spoilers for the rest of this show of your show today we're going to talk about some of the themes I think it actually asked really important, interesting questions that matter for the rest of the MCU as a whole. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you'd sprinkled that in somewhere else to where I could have felt fulfilled or just given the, given it made it made it a a super long episode, right? It's the finale, make it an hour and a half so that I get my resolution while also getting those other things, then those problems go away. Um, so, because I, I have I have um, some really interesting questions about determinism mm. and, you know, the philosophy of where Loki is right now versus where Sylvie is right now um, from a, you know, as a scholar of, of, of philosophy and of literature. Um, I think it's trying to ask some really interesting questions that I think get lost um, because of how weird it ended up being.
0: I think that you're... I think you're touching on a, on a lot of things here. I think to your point mm-hmm. about not wanting to have a double standard, you know, DC versus MCU, just because of the MCU's, you know, well-earned... <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's 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 deserved... Its history has proved, right, that mm-hmm. they do a good job with this interweaving. But it gets at kind of this question that I also have begun to consider much more since the series came out, Than when it was just the movies, which is to what extent do we evaluate each of these, each episode perhaps, or each series, each season of a series for those that we're going to get multiple seasons of? Do we evaluate them for what they are? (laughs) Or for Mm -hmm. you know, like with any other TV show or season or episode where like you kind of how much are we looking at just the thing a close reading of that thing versus how it interacts with everything else and it's almost like with the mcu you kind of can't just do the close reading like they won't let you Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and Mm -hmm. is that to what extent does that enhance the experience you know certainly for me it's why i get a lot of mileage out of talking about this stuff you know maybe more than Mm -hmm. i would if i was just doing a close reading of one particular thing but at the mm-hmm. same time, what makes a good TV show a good TV show, and is there somehow a different metric when it comes to an MCU TV show? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't know. I
1: mean, I like, I for me at least so far, there's not a different metric. I mean, for me, I don't, and and maybe it's because I don't want there to be right, but right, I don't want there to be either. my rule. Ro- right yeah, way. my <laughs> rules don't have to be everybody's rules, right? Like my rules are. This is, it's weird when you're professionally a critic, which I guess I am. I forget that it's like my job, but, but like my job in many ways, both as an educator and um, who teaches literature, but also as like a podcaster is to talk about things that I'm thinking when I view literature and just sort of talk to you about it. And you don't have to agree with me, right? Like that, that was sort of what we were talking about on the episode that, um, that I'm teasing the one that we're where we um like I enjoyed your take on it because um here's a smart person, that being you, who <laughs> has an interesting take that can that is different than mine, and that makes me re-examine mine, not to change my mind, but to have a greater understanding of the whole. So right. when people are like you can't view the MCU like this because it's a different thing, well, yeah, it's true. The MCU is probably now um the arguably the most successful multimedia franchise of all time the only one that can be even close to compared is maybe star wars um but like everything else but the mcu has had more has now had more television series than star wars and they've got far more films than star wars Star Wars has had a couple of expanded universes that have, you know, one, one is now decanonized. So, yeah. but, but we're, we're, we're still talking about a club of like two things, because even if you're a big Star Trek fan or you're a big Lord of the Rings fan, or you're a big, you know, there are all these other things, Game of Thrones, right? None of those things have the sheer volume of, of text and, and market penetration that MCU and Star Wars have. So, so yeah, there are special rules probably in a, in a way. That said, um I I I mentioned this when somebody was people were defending it on I, I was I was having this argument on Facebook about it. And I said, All right, yes, I understand what you're saying about um about like yes, there's another there's another season coming, which is which has been the defense, but um there's a point in um, in Star Wars Episode Nine, Rise of Skywalker, at the end. Spoilers for Rise <laughs> of Skywalker, but there's a point where um, where Kylo Ren suddenly comes and saves Rey. You know, he he comes to to help, um, even up the odds, and and he's going to be a good guy now. And some people loved it, some people hated it, and I was okay with it. My problem would have been if Rey is saved by Kyle Ketern. And for most Star Wars fans, they're like, who is that? <laughs> Kyle Katarn is like the, a character from Star Wars Dark Forces, a video game that was canon. And like probably and there's a lot of lore around him. But like 99% of the Star Wars fans have no idea who that is. And if you're a deep video game care, fan, you do. And you'd probably be like, oh, that's awesome. They tied everything together. And it's like, great. But for everybody else who's not that, that into stuff it becomes confusing. And this was the problem for um, for fans who were, I had a lot of friends who were who were always very upset that like agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. never had any real bearing on what happened in the Marvel universe, sure. but it happened the other way, right? Like you'd see something that happened in Marvel, like Captain America discovers that Hydra is infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. and it changes the entire fabric of the TV show. But like um, the TV show does something and the Avengers never noticed. And it's like, well, yes, that's because on a good day, you know, on a good day, six million people watch Agents of Shield. That's a good day. On a bad day, it's three million uh, on a bad episode. But like the MCU is hundreds of millions of people right. are watching right. these are watching these shows. Like um, billion people are watching these shows. You you cannot rely on them. It's like, well, we should reward the fans. I'm like not at the expense of telling a story and that was mm, that's always mm-hmm. a problem for me and I, and I don't I don't know that there is a way to do that because then it becomes this question of now they're doing something different right because it was very it was very intentional that in that um agents of shield, which I know may or may not be canon. trust me. I know the history of of <laughs> Ike Perlmutter and what happened with, it, with yeah. it. none of that matters. Um, what matters here is the story for the for the readers, for the viewers. It had to be coherent. And now we've ended up in a world where we've made this decision that the Disney plus stuff is going to matter. And I don't know. I don't know if it really is or if it's or if it's not because because it, it, it's partially a trick, right? Like at the end of um like WandaVision the end you know there's a vision who's white so if he shows up in one of the movies people are going to have some questions but if wanda shows up in 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 doctor strange and you've not bothered to watch wandavision okay well there's scarlet witch and she's got a costume and i guess her powers got stronger but she she was pretty strong before so i don't think anybody's going to question it at the end of of uh, of endgame Sam is about to become Captain America and then we go through all of it of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier and Sam's like I'm not going to be Captain America and then at the end no I am going to be Captain America after all so suddenly like none of it really matters to someone who is skipping the TV shows Loki uh i think it's going to matter yeah <laughs> because all yeah. of a sudden it's like it's like loki happened and last time we saw loki he was teleporting away with the tesseract and now the next time we see him apparently in and doctor strange as well he's going to be there um i guess without the tesseract but um with the ability to time travel and weirdness is going to happen and and i guess everything that we just watched matters and i don't know how to feel about that because it's um, it's something that uh, has always been a problem in comic books, and in comic books ever since the '80s when we started doing these things where you know we're going to have the world matter, and you know if if some if a big event happens in Spider-Man, it's going to affect what happens in Avengers and Fantastic Four, and that's great for comics, but it's also kind of a detriment of following things because like. It, me, it makes it hard to do an individual story right. like it, it's really frustrating to be a spider-man fan and then you have to pay attention to x-Men if you hate x-Men Now if you love x-Men and you and and then it's fine because there's a crossover and hey some of my favorite characters are in both things but if you hate one and love the other one it it was always very frustrating to try and follow that thread and now we're gonna have to do that now the Disney plus world is if it's going to be very tied into the movies, that's you know that's a that's a gamble that works for me because I was going to watch them anyway. Right, but um, but not everybody was. I know I know people who are just like I love Guardians of the Galaxy, but I don't care for everything else. And yeah, that, and yeah, that's absolutely. weird, right? And like, a, so like Guardians three. If you, I mean, I don't know that there is anybody, but if someone watched Guardians three, Guardians one, two, one and two, and then they're just like, I'm just going to see Guardians three, and they're going to have to go there, and then all of a sudden, Gamora doesn't know anybody. She's like, oh, remember when you died and people are going to be like, what? Why is more like, like part of the story is in another series and that's confusing. So that's my problem with, um, with it. But I don't know that it's like, maybe I do have to change my expectations. Maybe it's a different kind of storytelling. I don't know.
0: It's, it's interesting. <laughs> I have no it's, good answer for it. I wonder, you know, if, <laughs> if we're, if the MCU is doing this Radical form of storytelling in terms of the screen, right? Because not so radical at all when it comes to comics, but they're taking comic book storytelling it and they're applying it to movies and television shows, which feels very mm-hmm. different in that space because, as, as you said, many people don't want to feel like if they like a particular character, they like a particular uh, or they're attracted to a particular trailer. Like if you're looking at the trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and you're a huge martial arts fan, or you're a big fan of Aquafina, mm-hmm. or I don't know, like, or like Kim's Convenience, you saw uh, Simu Liu, and like he's awesome on that show. I don't know, whatever might be drawing you to, ooh, this mm-hmm. looks like a good movie. Is it then going to be a deterrent to say, oh, but there's homework involved because this is an MCU movie, and now I have to figure out what in the MCU is going to connect to this particular installment? So,
1: and it's, I don't want to.
0: In a way, I have a
1: PhD doing this and I don't want to do that work. Right, You don't want to (laughs) have to do homework.
0: So it's almost, you know, it seems like the MCU is a big enough thing that they have come to a place where they don't necessarily care if a few casual (laughs) viewers are turned away and discouraged by that because they it seems like with this whole multiverse thing, it seems like with this finale of Loki, like they've kind of put their foot Down on the line to say, yeah, we're going in this direction of all of this is connected and and this is the type of storytelling we're doing. I don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. know if they can walk that back if they if they decide it doesn't work. I mean, I guess
1: in in the comics, there are, you know, some things are more connected than others, right? Like it is it is a a thing where you can you can just read Spider-Man and not care. You can read just amazing Spider-Man. And not care about um, Venom. Sure. And you're fine, except for when you're not. And <laughs> comics have just convention conditioned me over the last forty years to just be like, "All right, sometimes I'm going to be lost, and that's just the deal, you know." So, like, if I don't want to be lost, I have to go read Venom for a month. And you know, so maybe that's the maybe that's the thing. Maybe you'll get to the point with movies where it's just like, okay. I don't really understand where, like, if if I skip the Loki TV series and then and I'm trying to watch all the movies and I've seen Endgame and I get to Multiverse of Madness and Loki's there and he's got a calculator that makes him teleport through time. <laughs> I can okay, fine. He got it somewhere. I don't know. Sure, maybe there's a, a, a throwaway Berry line.
0: Powers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And they, they've always done a good job of dropping the little bits of exposition that are necessary in in such a way that it's kind of seamless and then the viewer goes all right I'll kind of just I'm gonna just go with it
1: <laughs> right and then and sometimes there is no answer right like like Tony Stark threw, blew up all of his Iron Man suits but now he's got them again where'd they come from I don't know don't worry about it he's got them by by Avengers 2 let's just let's accept that he that he got he got them back you know right. um, and 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 like there's no answer to that in between you know between Iron Man 3 and Avengers 2, there's literally no answer as to where he got his suits again, because he said, he says, I'm giving up being Iron Man psych, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So, so I, is it? I don't know. Maybe it's no worse than that. Maybe it's just me overthinking things. I don't know. That's <laughs> what know, I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's what we're here to do in talking about this. And you mentioned a couple of the other television series that were Marvel properties and had some connection to the cinematic universe. But the Mm -hmm. distinction that we know now with these Disney plus series is that they're under the Feige label. They're under the Feige stamp of approval, so to speak. And that to an extent, they are going to matter much more to the movies we see moving forward. What do you think is largely working or not working about, this model of week to week drops of episodes, followed up by a Marvel Studios assembled in which you get some behind the scenes and then a little bit of a break, and then the next one keeps coming and coming and coming.
1: I like it. Uh, I think I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's it, again, I've been reading comics for 40 years, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it, it's, um, it, I'm used to to it as a model in many ways right on, on the other hand it's um and even before even before i was a comic fan i'm a tv fan to where like i am a television junkie i as a six-year-old i had the tv on while i'm doing homework just mm-hmm. the, and and uh and you know i got in trouble for it for a while but i had good grades and my mother would be like how are you paying you know you're not even paying attention to this and i'd say yes i am and i'd give her the entire plot she's like how <laughs> are you doing that and you're not paying attention to your book, and I give like, her the entire bu- plot of the book I'm reading. I don't know how I do that, but I can just pay attention to two things at once. But as um, long as I'm listening to one thing and, and reading another thing, it 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 it's never bothered me. I'm a junkie for media, so that's how I ended up with this being my job. Right? I as long as Kevin Feige is willing to keep shoveling this stuff you know, into my eye holes, I'm, (laughs) I'm willing to take it, but, (laughs) but I, but I don't, I I don't know. I, there's, there, I don't know how well that can work forever. Right. Like if you're going to, if you're going to say that some things matter and some things don't, and then you're also going to try to have it both ways, which I think is what they're doing with the idea of a multiverse, right? Like if there's a multiverse and Kang's in it, um, and if the rumors are true, we don't know, but if the rumors are true and Andrew Garfield and Tony mm-hmm. McGuire show up in, in the Spider Man movie, then that means that, um, and there's also rumors that, um, there's a lot of rumors about the possibility of Donofrio showing up. We yep. know J.K. Simmons plays both versions of J. Uh, of J. Jonah Jameson, right? So, I Presumably, they're setting up a world where everything can count, and where I can just have headcanon of the things that I want to count and the things that I don't. And then you end up with worlds where, look, you know, those Defender series on Netflix—they they mattered. They mattered matter to you, so they matter. Right. And I'm good with that. Like I, I I think that that's good, and I think it. I think that to the extent that you can play with it responsibly. Um, I think it makes for interesting storytelling. Uh, Feige has gone on record saying that they've had a multiverse meeting where they talked about what the rules are going to be and when you're allowed to change, because it also breaks things, right? Like you don't want to lose the ability to have stakes. You don't like we've already seen that, you know, They just decided Gamora died, but she didn't. There's another Gamora. Look, let's just deal with it, right? We've decided we want to have one. And Loki. We killed Loki, but we've got another one. So, and if we've got time travel and we've got the ability to pull alternate dimension people, then suddenly there are no stakes in this universe. And that's a problem, right? Like that's a problem if we can just decide, if we can just decide in two movies that this, you know, ratings are down, let's throw a bunch of money at Robert Downey Jr. and just have him come back. Like that's, that's a problem, narratively, that you've got to solve. But on the other hand, they have been responsible about solving them. So I'm, interesting, I'm interested to see where they're going. I'm also, I'm also very much interested in seeing their ability to go big with cosmic stuff and still have small little movies. I love Black Widow um from what i've seen of of shang chi you know from trailers i'm really looking forward to it and it's going to be really interesting to try and tell stories about you know cosmic people in the same in the same breath as you're telling stories about you know you know regular or near regular folk and that said, they've done this in the comics, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the comics have a has a world where Spider-Man and Luke Cage exist next to Thor and, and Captain Marvel, and that's got to be able to work. So I'm so I'm looking forward to seeing it, um, and I hope that you know. I hope that there's not too much hand waviness in order to get it to work, right? Like, cause there should be, there needs to be some amount of hand waviness in order to have a world where where Nick Fury is standing next to Thor in the first place. But I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be visible hand waviness. <laughs> I want it to be, yeah. be hand waviness that I can like suspend disbelief and just enjoy and go, okay, yeah, there's a God who's friends with a super spy. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> I want to be able to say that.
0: Yeah, I think that your comments on, The stakes are really important because that is going to be the thing for me that, you know, again, as a person who, like you, is going to watch all of the Disney Plus series anyway, the extent to which they are tied into the movies, it it can be something that, ideally, it enhances the experience of the movie, right? I went to go see Black Widow with my—the first time I saw it, I went with my brother— he hasn't seen the Disney Plus shows yet. He will be seeing them at some point. And mm-hmm. Valentina, played by uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, shows up in the end credit scenes. My brother is a smart moviegoer. Uh, you know, afterward, I'm like, this character showed up in Falcon Winter Soldier. So there's a little bit of that enhancement for me as somebody who's seen mm-hmm. that show. It didn't detract for him. Oh, it's Julie Louis-Dreyfus. And immediately you get a sense of who that character is and what her role is. And, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of nailed it. Okay, so she obviously she's blah, 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 blah. Yes, right? So
1: bad guy McFury.
0: Right. So, you know, and I think that the MCU can continue to do things like that if they choose to, where my experience of seeing the shows can only enhance, but then not seeing them won't detract. I think that's kind of the ideal. Um uh, and and as we mm-hmm. said, we're gonna kind of see where they go with that. And certainly this finale of Loki seems to be making a suggestion of the direction they're going, but we'll have to see. When it comes to the stakes, I that's going to be the thing for me that might take me out of it at a certain point because the stakes need to matter. And so far, like like you said, I do think they've done a great job. Infinity War, you see your heroes get dusted, you know they're going to come back. But then the, the real investment is in how and I think, I don't think it kind of undid the power of those scenes for me, right? Seeing Vision come back mm-hmm. in WandaVision, I thought was immensely powerful and beautiful and tragic because it's this character again who has been destroyed, but here's the the essence of him and, and kind of an alternate view of what could have been and what could be in Wanda's mind, whatever it may be. We'll see what happens with White Vision, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Black Widow, I think, is a great example. I absolutely love Black Widow. To me, I don't know if this is a hot take or what, but I think the film is absolutely enhanced with the knowledge that she dies. Because when I watch hmm. it and I think about what happens to that character, it makes it so much powerful to me. Like, I was, um, I recorded my episode on Black Widow with my guest Amy yesterday, actually. So, by the time people hear this, They will have heard that if they chose to listen to it. And I was telling her that I was brought to tears just reading my notes for our podcast recording, (laughs) thinking the moment between Melina and Natasha at the end when Melina says to her, take care of yourself. And she says, I got this. And Melina just says, I know and i it just brings me to tears cuz like the the real human connection between those two characters in that moment who've both taught each other something and just her saying i've got this which doesn't mean i'm going to be safe it doesn't mean i'm going to live right it doesn't it, but it just was so powerful to me because you know where she ends up and that's mm. to me the stakes that's an example i think of playing with stakes in a way of like yes this character died it can still be really awesome to see another story somewhere that existed along their timeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I
1: think think that's, I enjoyed it. I didn't know if I would, I was worried about it because I was, because I was like, and, and, and and I fell into a trap, uh, an internet trap that I, that I usually try to avoid, but I fell into it myself, which was, I went to see this going, this isn't gonna matter because like i know she's i know she's okay i know when she dies so i know the story you know there's no stakes there's no stakes there's no stakes and i said that to myself and then i had to like stop myself and go yeah, okay idiot you've rewatched star wars <laughs> a billion times right like you know luke does not die in star wars you know um, ben Kenobi does die in Star Wars. You know the ending to this movie. The movie is infinitely rewatchable. You know how it ends. You you know Empire Strikes Back is one of your favorite movies. You know Han's not going to make it out. You know when he will make it. Like like the fact that I know actually has no bearing on whether I can enjoy something. It's just something I've been conditioned to say, right? Sure. Because oh, well, thanks. But it, but like really, I. It, something can only surprise me once right like once i know the story i know the story so at at best something can surprise me once um we know that probably scarlett johansson will not be made in any other other films like her character's dead and as of today she's suing disney so you know she's probably not going to show up she's she's probably probably not going to show up in, in, in other stuff um and again fine the question was the question should be rather was that film enjoyable? Did that film teach me anything about the characters that, um, that I've become invested in overall, which was just Natasha. She's, I mean, like general Ross is in it, but really Natasha is the only Mm -hmm. real character that we've seen um, before for most of the film. And it did. And does it make me invested in the characters that are introduced in this film? And for most of them, it did. For one in particular, Yelena is one of she is a breath of fresh air. She was amazing. Yes. For us. She was so great in that movie. Yes. And she is my favorite part of that film. And I cannot wait for her to show up. I mean, I know there are I don't know how you feel on it. I know it's very common among um among MCU fans who aren't necessarily comic book fans to hate Hawkeye. These people were all wrong. I love <laughs> Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye is the uh, Hawkeye is um, the one thing that I enjoy about Avengers Two, about Avengers Age of Ultron. I think uh, I think everything that does, I think nothing in that in that movie works unless Jeremy Renner is on screen. Wow. <laughs> he he makes it, um, and and that's not true. I'm exaggerating, but like my favorite two moments of that of of it, which are um, his speech to Wanda where he convinces Wanda that, you know, now's the time for you to become a superhero is um, brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I'll come back to it. But also before that, the fact that, you know, he's like, I think I have a place we can go. And he takes them to his house and you find out that he's just a guy with, a wife and some kids and he's just trying, you know, my job, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a working father, you know, he's like, yeah, I've got to provide for my family. My job is to go out and earn a living. And I do that by shooting arrows at people. That's (laughs) what I do. Um, and, and, and it's just like, um, my uncle was a fireman. Um, my uncle in real life was, was a fireman and that was his job. You know, he, he goes and, and you know it's heroic. We, we talk about fires like heroes, but like his job was to run into burning buildings. But to him, that was the job. And Hawkeye's right. job is to go risk his life firing arrows at people. And it tells me everything about that character. And this is where I where we talked earlier about like I don't want to be beholden to the comics. That's a very different guy than the guy Hawkeye is in the te- in the in the comics. So I'm looking forward to um to this Hawkeye series already because. Um, to me, this show is going to be the rumors have always been since we know we're getting um, Katie, um, mm-hmm. Katie Hawkeye, Hawkeye, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, which is reference to the comic you haven't read. it. I don't want to ruin <laughs> anything about Kate Bishop for you because Kate Bishop, if she's anything like comic Kate Bishop will be delightful and you're going to love her. Very so excited. I'll leave her. But um, but assuming she's anything like comics, Kate Bishop, comics, Kate Bishop has a very particular relationship with comics. Clint Barton. That almost cannot be the same for this TV show because comics, because movie Clint Barton is this dedicated family man who's got nothing else going in his life. And comic Clint Barton is a loser who cannot get relationships right. Like that's what that's what he is. Like comics Clint Barton is this character who what makes him interesting is he's not a womanizer. Like to say, call him a womanizer is wrong. He's a guy who dates poorly. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's gone from relationship to relationship. It just doesn't work out. He's a good dude, but he's kind of a screw up. Um, He's kind of a screw up at life. The one thing that he's good at is shooting bows and arrows and being an Avenger. Um, He is, he is the heart of the Avengers team. He is just this regular guy who goes around and, And he's, you know, he's quite frankly getting beat up a lot because all of his friends have superpowers and he's a guy with a bow and arrow. And that's what I loved about Hawkeye in the Avengers because he's a guy who just wants to be a superhero so bad that he's mm-hmm. willing to put everything on the line on the line. He just, it's like everybody else is, you know, has some sort of power. Even Captain America doesn't have as many powers as Thor, but he's got some kind of power. And Clint is just this guy who tries really hard. And that's always made him work well in the series. And then he goes and screws up his love life and he and he does that routinely. And that made him interesting. And then in the comics, his relationship with Kate is. Kate is not a love interest. Um, he's a, she's a little sister type. So mm-hmm. it's him having a platonic relationship with a woman, something he doesn't know how to do. Right, it right. makes that story different. Cool. This is a different guy. This is a guy who's right. a family guy. And I want to, I want to see that develop. I want to see how, you know, how this, ver- this various character, this different character um, becomes friends with Kate Bishop. I am so looking forward to that. And what really the essence of Clint Barton, the character from the MCU that made me love him is when he sits down with Wanda and he says, look, if you want to stay in here and hide, that's human. It's normal. No one's going to think any less of you. But like, you know, there's a fight going out there on out there. And I'm a guy with a bow and arrow and I'm going to, I'm going to go fight. You know, I'm a guy with a bow and arrow. None of this makes any sense, but you know, (laughs) But this is my job, and I need you to either. He's like, I need you to either get on board or get out the way. is basically what he tells him, you know, and, and and you choose. I'm not telling you what to do, but if you go out that door, you're an Avenger, and then you're gonna go out there and you're gonna do this. And then he's like, all right, you got it. I'm leaving now. And then he runs out the door and starts firing arrows. To me, that's the essence. It makes him the most pure hero in all the Avengers movies that we've seen because even Natasha has abilities that Clint doesn't have. Right. Natasha's human but he, but she's she's a trained spy. This is a dude who just like is just trying to make it home to his family every day. And that makes him that makes him very very different from everybody else to which I think, you know, I think that makes him interesting. Um and I think it, it, I think everything, you know, when Pietro dies and, you know, he you know he doesn't know what to say this guy's died for him. And then when the series when when Age of Ultron ends, like the first thing he did, well when the main climax ends, he just basically passes out on the floor. He has yeah. got nothing, so that when you get to when you get to end game, I think it's relevant that Clint is the one who is the first person to try and run with the gauntlet. He's got yeah. the gauntlet and he's got to run with it. It's not T'Challa, it's not Spider Man. Clint has that. It's not Captain Marvel. Clint has that gauntlet for a long time, and he's just running with it because this is my job. I'm Clint Barton, and I'm a hero. I think he becomes the center, the focal point for the MCU. And to me, what I'm hoping this new series is going to be is it's going to be him passing that on to Kate Bishop, someone who I presume also wants to be that and isn't yet. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that, but 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 I see so many people are like, Who wants to see a who wants to see a Hawkeye series? Who wants to see a Hawkeye series? Who wants people say that like people seem to hate this character? I love this character for that reason. And I am now even more excited about it because I want to see Yelena who wants none of this. Yelena just wants her sister back and wants to have a cool vest. She was so perfect.
0: (laughs) She was. (laughs) She was so
1: amazing. (laughs) And and I want to see her, you know, I I had questions about the end of Black Widow. This is, again, a hand-wavy thing, which was, she's like, this man killed your sister, which is obviously Val lying, you know, but like, it's like, which fine, but Val shouldn't know that. The only the only two people who know what happened on that mountain yes. are Clint and, and <laughs> Natasha. Like, like yes. so, even if like even if Val has access to Shield files or you know Avengers files or or reports or or whatever, like like I, why would Clint have said like none of this makes any sense? Like for 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 this to be uh, uh for this to be even you know a thing that she would know. But okay, fine, whatever. I do want to see regular girl Yelena trying to take out regular boy Clint while regular girl Kate watches. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like just these are just regular human beings yeah. in this world of superheroes. And and I'm looking forward to that. And I think that sort of that interplay of regular people dealing with these worlds. I think I said on the last time I was on your show, uh, my favorite part of Falcon and Winter Soldier is when right. is when you know they're they're discussing whether or not Sam can get alone. You know, because that's a real, this is a real human problem that, that like Sam apparently has. And I love that. Um, I love the hokey speech at the end, which was after I was on your show. When, 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 um, when Sam gives the hokey speech at the end of Captain Winter Soldier, where he's like, he, he gives his Captain America speech of, you know, I don't know how to solve this, but you figure it out because, you know, <laughs> this is, this is what being a hero is about and everything. And it's a hokey speech. It's supposed to be a hokey speech. Being Captain America is about giving hokey speeches. That's that's what it is. And this is Sam doing his best. This is Sam doing his best impression of Steve. Um, I love that that these series can be about what does it mean to be a hero in this fantastic world when you're small. Um, my favorite characters are the small ones um and i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing more i mean i'm so glad yelena shows up like um i didn't care for taskmaster other people are like oh how can you change his gender i don't care if he changes gender i just found her boring she was a mute character who did nothing um i thought the entire idea of you can copy anybody's fighting style i think that works in comics i don't think it was I'm a you know, I was a professional wrestler for a while. I understand fight choreography and I don't think that played as well visually as it does in comics because you can't just draw the same scene. Like you had to like get it in motion. It didn't seem as obvious to me. So I was bored by that, but I loved the movie because every time Florence pews on screen, it is just delightful. When she, the, like her two seconds where she tries to do a Black Widow pose and she's <laughs> like, this is stupid. It, it is so great. It reminds me of the of the point in Deadpool where, I don't know if you've seen the Deadpool movies mm-hmm. where he does, where he's like superhero landing, yeah. oh, this is murder on your knee. And I'm like, and I, and I want to see her make those jokes at Clint, who also understands uh, I'm exhausted, you know, this I'm a guy with a bow and arrow. None of this makes any sense. So I'm looking forward to these.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> Mav, I, I think I am vying for the position of president of the Florence Pugh and Yelena fan clubs. <laughs> I, I, I'm such a big fan and I, I have been gushing about her since I saw Black Widow. I've gushed about Florence Pugh before that as well. But yeah, she... I loved everything about the movie and I loved Natasha's character in the movie. I, she is my favorite aspect of the movie as well. And that's of a movie that everything else is also something that I absolutely love. So I'm completely with you there (laughs) and I'm very excited to see her in the Hawkeye show. I have to say Mav, that you really, really just like, you know, touched me with your words about Clint Barton. And I have in the past kind of fallen in the like, it's kind of fun to, shit on Hawkeye camp and (laughs) I've I've really grappled with it I've been like why don't I particularly care for this character am I kind of just going along with like he's the easiest one to not care about as much this and that
1: he's a target he is
0: and and also and
1: also to be fair I mean because I I think I'm I think I'm a smart guy I don't think I'm (laughs) bad looking but but I'm not Supermodel Jeremy Renner. So Jeremy Renner has a very punchable face if you're a regular guy, right? <laughs> like, 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 I mean, and it's nothing, I mean, I think he's a great actor, but you know, Chris Evans is just impossible to hate. Chris Hemsworth is impossible to hate. These are, these are, you know, Scarlett Johansson, yeah, you know, she, she makes some personal comments that aren't the best, but like she's also, she's so good in these she's movies. Dynamic on and screen. she was the only woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Elizabeth Olsen is absolutely impossible to hate, right? So if there's one person I can say, I could be, I could be better than Jeremy Renner, <laughs> you know, and I couldn't be, but, yeah, but he's right. the one that he's the one I think it's easy he's to be mean about. Fruit. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, and I and I and I, but like, but like, if you think about what he absolutely represents on that team, he is the most normal guy, yeah. and I and and I think. Um, I think Sam is going there. I think in in Winter Soldier in particular, Sam where Sam's like, I just, you know, Captain America needs my help, so I'm here. You know, like, <laughs> yes. like that. Oh, like that I was think fantastic. that yeah. Sam has that yeah, Sam has that same that same feeling to where I I don't know what this is gonna be about, but my prediction is that like um Hawkeye is gonna be estranged um from his wife in in this in the series because um I'm guessing that you know. You haven't seen, you know, for him, it's been five years. For her, it's been five minutes, you know, and he hasn't seen her. And in that time that she was gone, he murdered really a lot of people. So yes. I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of PTSD, which is the theme of stage four. Stage <laughs> four is all about PTSD. And yep. and I'm thinking Hawkeye is going to be going through some trauma and he's going to be trying to, you know, get over things and... And this is gonna be him not knowing, you know, him like trying not him being away from his family is what is my guess. I don't know that. I've not read that. It's you know exclusive guest from Mav. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like well, you heard it here first.
0: You know, but the, if that's
1: the case, I wanna see him. I, I wanna see him heal. I wanna see yes. Clint be okay. And I and I find it weird. Like like you said, people shit on him because he's easy to do that. But I, I, but I think he's really the most interesting one when you get to it because he, because he, he has no other reason to be there. There's no trauma. There's no Nazis. There's no personal mission. There's no, I'm Tony Stark. So really, this is my fault. This is just a guy who wants to do the right thing. He
0: wants to help out. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. my favorite, and I'm, I'm very invested in, This story of what's going to happen with him next. And I've lightened up on him over the years. And recently, just last week, rewatched the first Avengers movie again. I rewatch it all the time. But I was really Mm -hmm. watching with a lens of appreciating him even in that film. And I'm looking forward to rewatching Age of Ultron with with, uh, that lens as well. My favorite Hawkeye scene has always been the one you described, that moment between him and Wanda in Age of Ultron. And if... And it sounds like maybe this is the direction it might go. if we get more of that, like a mentoring relationship with him and, and Kate, I am going to be really, really here for it to, to see, you know, what he can he teach others like through what he's learned, this strength that he has shown as a hero who has shown up time and time again, even without some of the privileges that those who fight alongside him have, you know, so... You I'm st- really looking. You've still to never read any
1: of the comics at all, right?
0: I haven't. I'm, I'm a little. I'm a little bit familiar with who he is in the comics. Uh, really.
1: I if if there's one you're going to start with, I think uh, this is a book that I I, um, I taught in not a comics class, just a regular novel reading class that um, that I taught to a freshman lit class that I taught a couple years ago. I assigned Hawkeye: My Life as a Weapon, which is the first trade paperback in the series that follows Clint and his relationship with Katie. Um, and I would absolutely recommend that for you. It, it, it's again, given the caveat that he is a different guy, he is a burnout lose, lovable loser in this series, as opposed to a family man. But sure. as far as the, you know, doing the right thing, that is, that is one that I, I would absolutely recommend to you, to your readers, you, especially with this series coming out and, you know, the speculation it's going to be about uh, Clinton, Kate against the tracksuit mafia, which are the, the bad guys from that series from from the one I just knit from my life as a wef- weapon which it may or may not be but it was it's this one thing where I don't think you need to know anything about it about who either of them are the first page says this is Hawkeye he's an Avenger this is what he does on his day off <laughs> that's, that's how the series starts Very cool. <laughs> and it's so great
0: mm-hmm. I'm gonna take that recommendation that sounds that sounds excellent mm-hmm. and as much as I didn't anticipate that we would be talking about Hawkeye as much uh, during this conversation today. I'm really glad that we are. And it's it's making me ex- excited for his show and how it's going to play into some of these larger themes of what phase four of the MCU is all about. Before we kind of move into a little bit more of that discussion, I do want to wrap up some thoughts on Black Widow. I mm-hmm. agree with your points about Black Widow, the mimicking of the fighting styles is in theory, very cool. But actually, one of the things that for me, Taskmaster was probably like my least favorite part of the movie, although it didn't really detract from it too much for me because I loved the yeah, music, like the music that went along with yeah. Taskmaster was great. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Yes. And I did love the fight scene on the bridge great. and the way that they mirrored each other. Like that move was really cool mm-hmm. when he and Natasha land. So saying he, I think most of the stunt doubles were men. You're supposed to think men, it's at the You're time. supposed to think so. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I and I spoke with Amy about this as well on the Black Widow episode. Probably the weakest part for me. Um, in theory, the mimicking of the fighting styles is cool, but the fact that it was a computer program is both good and bad, right? Like, it's a lot less cool that it's just a, a computer program that was, like, in the back yeah. of her neck. Mm-hmm. But it also means that there is the potential for us to see Taskmaster as a technology in the future of the MCU again in a way that might be guess, more satisfying yeah. to fans. If Antonia was like, you know, against her will, right? Like this uh, mm-hmm. technology was was put onto her. I, I don't know. It's possible we'll see Antonia again. It's possible we'll also just see mm-hmm. Taskmaster as this kind of like uh, Jarvis <laughs> of sorts or Ultron of sorts, right? Yeah. Like a, a computer program that, I don't know,
1: but... MCU doesn't repeat that many villains. True. They, I mean, it, not that many. People, uh, it, it seems like it because Loki's around so often but most of the villains don't really come no, back. Sorry. A lot of them just yeah. die. Yeah. yeah. So. so
0: Yeah, what's interesting is like, I think, you know, Taskmaster was disappointing to a lot of particularly com- comics fans. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have that lens from which to approach it. Taskmaster for me was it was like a a bait and switch. Taskmaster was not the villain. Dracov and no. the villainy uh, of the of humanity is the villain, mm-hmm. right? Like the mm-hmm. horrific things that people in power can do to the weak is the villain. Um, and I guess if you're going into it and you're, oh man, I want to see Taskmaster fight some more and like it have meaning to the fighting, it kind of just wasn't there. But right, I don't Taskmaster think the fans are the paying tool. attention to the movies. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, yeah cuz uh, cuz frankly the movies like the MCU has people are, oh the MCU has has such weak villains it's cuz villains serve a role ever right. since like basically since phase 2 like the villains of MCU have always been some larger concept right like it, it's always like frankly in the, in half the movies the villain is tony stark like, yeah. <laughs> like like tony stark caused most of the problems that the avengers fought um but uh, but even the idea of you know of hydra is a faceless you know um, yeah, sure, the villains are Nazis, but really the villain is government corruption. That's really what we're getting at with Winter Soldier, right? Like, you know, you're looking at at these larger concepts. And now I think we're dealing with, you know, we're dealing with the villains of phase four, at least so far, um, uh, even with Black Widow, which, you know, I get as a prequel, but even with Black Widow, I think that the we're really dealing with a thematic villain of trauma, yeah. of lifelong trauma. Uh, you know that's what Wanda's dealing with. That's what um, um, what um, Bucky is dealing with. That is what Natasha's dealing with, and that's what Sylvie dealing with. So I think that, you know, I mean, I don't. Obviously, there's going to be more movies. So I don't know if this is going to carry on to um, Shang Chi, The Eternals, and and Spider Man. Which are what we have left for this year, right. but I'm pretty sure that's what what it's going to be for for Clint. So I I think the overarching theme the the there was an idea of it <laughs> right. all is um is you know is is this idea of trauma and and just because you're a remarkable person that doesn't mean that it just goes away. It's a, it's a, it's a, as we record this, it's the Simone Biles problem, right? Everybody's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, you know, she, you know, the, the question of should she have sucked it up and just, and just, and just, um, just um, done, you know, done the competition anyway. And Nastasia Lukin, who's I'm a big gymnastics fan. Um, she she did some commentary where she's like, "No, he's like, you don't understand. If you know, in in another sport, if I if I suck it up in in racing and it doesn't work out, I lose. If I suck it up in gymnastics and it doesn't work out, I die. Yeah. Like Simone Biles is the greatest is the greatest um, gym, gymnast who's ever lived. If she says she doesn't feel safe, she doesn't feel safe, and she cannot do that. So I. Think that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at this um world where um where you can be you can be Wanda Maximoff you can be one of the most powerful beings in the universe and you still just miss your boyfriend. Like that's yeah that that's that's hard. You miss your boyfriend who died in front of you. Like that's that that's trauma and that becomes a story. And that's why I loved I mean I I really I, I want to see her win every award because when Elizabeth Olsen basically breaks down and cries on that one scene where it's just like this is too much, um, that was the best acting I've ever seen. I, 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 I she was amazing in this, um, and I want to see I want to see more of that. I think that I think that the reason these shows work, the shows and the movies work in a way that some other superhero pr- properties, not just DC, but like other things, haven't worked as well. Is because they are stories first and superhero stories second.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. I think that captures it. I think that's what personally has attracted me to them uh, and why I'm doing this podcast project specifically about the MCU. When I could have chosen many other things, and I love movies and TV in general, like yourself, but they have been so successful in telling those stories that feel so human and then that added mm-hmm. layer <laughs> of the super is 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 you know makes it so much fun but i think you're right that the trauma is a huge theme that we're seeing here and one that is perhaps a little bit risky for the MCU and is it's because it it's not fun to watch <laughs> to watch our heroes Wanted cry, cry. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for me you know i spent a few minutes Gushing about how much I love the fact that I had the weight of Black Widow's death hanging over me as I watched a two-hour mm-hmm. movie that was kind of supposed to be mostly fun and funny, but then also about like the horrors of human trafficking and that opening credit sequence. Oh my god! So yeah. like I'm sort of, sort of like a glutton for punishment. Like I love the beautiful, sad, tragic stuff. So I'm all in on <laughs> on all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, same, same. What what, what else, what's left? I mean, what do we know is coming out? We've got. um we got the yeah I guess Shang Chi I don't yeah the, so Shang Chi and Eternals are the ones where we don't know we talked about yeah. Hawkeye already so yeah I I, I think it's got to be that I mean I, Doctor Strange Feige is a good storyteller I yeah I I think he's got to I think he's I think he's clearly going for the thematic at this point there's it's been such an, a through line of you know everyone's broken yeah um i mean even the world falcon and winter soldier it's not i i was using um bucky's trauma but the story is the world is broken in the wake of you know we we don't just put things back together after Thanos. this is nothing's the same um so so i'm i'm interested in that i i'm interested in it and it's so i i think um this is what i was was saying before i think um when i said there's a philosophical thing the philosophy that I think Loki gives us to deal with is um, the question of who's right between at the end Loki and Sylvie. Right, right. Do we do we let free will? You know, yes, we have free will. Do we kill him and accept the consequences, or do we accept this evil in order to make the world, the universe, a better place? And there's some questions as to you know, Loki, this Loki was like trying to destroy the world like literally a week ago in his timeline. So, <laughs> so he, he did, or, but like maybe, you know, maybe he was with the TVA longer than we saw. I don't know. There is a, there is a problem there. I, I I understand that, but I do think that you end up with, um you end up with some, some interesting philosophical questions being asked. And I think that's what makes this work. And for me, this would be, I'm going to use some school words. It's um, Kantianism versus utilitarianism Right. um, philosophy is um, Sylvie. Sylvie believes that there is good and bad and consequences be damned. That's Kantian logic, right? Um, She's like, no, the right thing to do is punish evil um you know he's got to be he's got to be punished if you've read Watchmen before you've seen the Watchmen tv show it's what rorschach believes there's good and there's bad and it doesn't matter what the ends the ends don't justify the means we've got to do the right thing because there is a right thing to do and loki is like no no no, let's let's think about this but (laughs) hold on a second you know he makes a good point you know um he who remains makes a good point i i hope that there are more questions like this like that's what I i want to see out of the face for is I want to see more, more questions with no answers. I I like I like moral ambiguity. Um, I I like that. Um, you know what made Tony Stark interesting was that he was trying so hard and everything's his fault. What makes Clint interesting is nothing's his fault, but he's going to try anyway. I I like this question of where Loki is and where Wanda is, and you know where it's like we're not. We, we didn't do any of this, you know, it, Loki was a bad guy, but he didn't, he wasn't really responsible for what happened that break broke the world. Um, no. And I, I, and, you know, and Wanda, Wanda just in, you know, Thanos just wrecked her life after, after frankly, Ultron had, and Tony had Tony wrecked her life. Originally, yeah. everything in Wanda's life has been, everything is constantly taken away from her no matter how hard she tries so i want to see you know to me maybe i don't think the reason i identify with these movies is because i like fighting nazis you know i think the reasons i identify with these with these movies is because like i often feel like so many of us that you know there's trauma in my life. I've had mental health problems. I've had, you know, here's here's things that are not my fault that I cannot control that I have to deal with anyway. Right. So I and I think I don't think I'm alone there. I think that Absolutely. you know other people have have struggled with things and that's what makes these these things work. And also they fly, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like like that's what you're that's what you're doing. You're going yeah. And also superpowers. And also everybody's pretty. You
0: know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was say pretty like, people, cool costumes, mm-hmm. nice uh, sets. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm, and i like, can punch my problems there
0: you but, go. but they don't
1: so much you know there's a lot of punching problems but like i at, my problems with, like I, I saw some people complaining about the end, the ending of loki because it's a lot of talking it's a very talky episode it is. um it's
0: a talky and show
1: none of that bothered me no i
0: like yeah. that
1: yeah. I None of it bothered me that there's very, you know, there's, a, there's at least one fight every episode. Yeah. Good. You're done. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, um, I, I, I like that it can be deeper, you know, like I've, totally. I've been reading these books my entire life and people didn't care about it. You know, most of my life, I was just a nerd up until 2008. Right. And, and now it's like, now everybody's into these. And it's like, I, and I think if everybody's going to be into superhero stuff, then we should show that it can be real serious literature, you know?
0: Yeah. That's what I think. Well, you know, speaking of real serious literature, I have to shout out friend of the podcast and, and uh, two-time guest himself, Daniel, who sent me a link to the e-text of the Grand Inquisitor. Have you read this or read it recently, Mav?
1: No. Grand Inquisitor. Uh, all
0: right. It's a Dostoyevsky. Dostoevsky, it's actually an interlude within the Brothers Karamazov, which I have not read. Oh, okay. I've I've not read it, but I
1: know what it is now. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I've now read Mm -hmm. The Grand Inquisitor um, at Daniel's recommendation because he saw a lot of connections between it thematically with the... What's the word I'm looking for? With the gambit that Kang, Mm -hmm. he who remains, presents to Loki and Sylvie at the end of episode six. And I think that it very much speaks to if the kind of overarching unanswerable question of phase three was this freedom versus security, which we read a Nerdist article about, which we'll come back to in a minute, but maybe Mm -hmm. then for phase four, it's kind of about this order stifling order versus cataclysmic chaos. And we already know Mm -hmm. from what vision has told us in age of Ultron, you know, humans think order and chaos are somehow opposites. And so to your point, really like, you know, this is a messy area that we can't necessarily expect there to be a clear answer on. But Mm -hmm. anyway, to, to speak to this text, I'll do my best to kind of summarize it because it's really, really interesting. It basically in this interlude within the larger text, the one character is telling another character, this story about Jesus Christ arriving at the Spanish inquisition. And Basically, the Inquisitor saying to Christ that he really messed things up, and that he should have um, that his answers to all of Satan's temptations were wrong. So, I'm not super up and recent on my biblical history. So, talk about like uh, intertextual connections. Obviously, uh, they're asking for for a lot of um, kind of prior knowledge of the Bible here. But basically, uh, to try to sum it up, Satan had tempted Jesus to say turn these stones into bread, cast yourself mm-hmm. from the temple and be saved. And you like the, his last temptation was you can rule over all the kingdoms of the world. Right. So sort of similar to what, what he who remains says to Loki and Sylvie, right? You can rule. Mm-hmm. And basically the inquisitor says, you said no to these temptations in favor of freedom, because you believed that freedom of choice and free will was more important. But you're wrong, (laughs) which is really, really, really interesting. And basically saying like, humans can't handle that freedom. Humans Mm -hmm. are going to strive under subjugation, under control. This comes up in Black Widow, right? I think it's Melina says that the world um, operates on a higher level when it is controlled. So I think it's kind of an interesting thing that uh, it's just a really, really interesting text mm-hmm. to read alongside the mcu because it is so different uh, it requires mm-hmm. a different part of your brain to engage with but it's really really quite similar
1: i i mean if you're enough of a nerd that you enjoy reading you know theoretical philosophy and moral philosophy <laughs> for for fun which i've surrounded myself with people like this. this is literally the point of my show, right? (laughs) As we talk, as we have conversations like this, but like, if you're, if you're going to take that Kant versus Sherman, who's the utilitarianism, Mm -hmm. that theory of where you're really trying to say this, there is no wrong or right answer to this, right? Like if you, if you agree that free will is the utmost of utmost importance that we, if we, if we don't have free will, we've got nothing. If we don't allow people to make choices, what are we doing? If you believe that then then you are saying you believe that it should be not just okay, but it is imperative that some people don't wear masks and some people don't get vaccinated, which I do not believe. I wish I could wave a magic wand and make sure everybody got vaccinated and every because I would really like to be able to, you know, enjoy the rest of my life without having to worry about this disease over my head. But Kantian philosophy says you've got, you know, that like people have the right to make choices, and it is wrong to force your morality on someone else. So people have the right to not wear masks and get us all sick, and we all die. That's right,
0: right? I guess, but because and, if and, they don't and, have the right to do that, then does that mean that you don't have the right to do something else? Right? Like that's I think that's right. where you know it becomes an issue. <laughs>
1: And that's where you lose, I mean, and yeah. that's where if you're going to be a pure, there's right and there's wrong, and there's no area of gray, if you're going to use um, Christian uh, morality and ideology, you fall into these, you know, there are, there are boons, there are good things and there are bad things and they are, they are separate from consequence. On the other hand, if you go the opposite, opposite way, And you say that only, you know, consequentialism, only, Mm -hmm. only the consequences matter. Utilitarianism. What has greater value? Is it better? Is, is he who remains right? If we, you know, if we've constructed a universe where he may be evil, but the alternative is that there are greater evils, should we not take chances? Right. That's, that's what Loki wants to consider. And the, the, the odd thing about modern philosophy, modern, you know, human philosophy, at least, cause I don't know about Asgardian, <laughs> but we don't have right answers for this, right? Like uh, most philosophers like argue moral philosophers argue that we're not sure you can view it either way. And realistically, most of us don't, you know, this isn't the good place. Most of us don't, um, hit one, philo- one philosophical, um, form and then just stick to it, we kind of float around, right? Like, you know, um, if you've seen the trolley problem, maybe you do one thing one day and you do the other thing the other day. Like we don't, we're, we're, you know, we do have free will, so we don't have absolutes and that's not comforting. (laughs) Like (laughs) the fact that like the idea, the idea that we're all just, we're all agents of chaos and anything could happen at any moment is... It, it, it makes people uncomfortable, but that's how we really think. That's how life really works. So what do you do then? And I love, I, I love that when things like he who remains show up and postulate that question. And that's why I, I kind of wish this was the beginning of a season and not the end. Totally. Because I don't think I'm adding, I'm adding that like the entire moral philosophy. Episode, he he mentions it and it's what I keyed into because I needed to find something that I liked about the episode. Even you know just to make me get over the thing that I hated, but if this were the entire season, which I think it might be all of next season, but it might not be all of next season because like that became I I want to dwell on the idea of you know what is the right thing to do here and we've got no right answer. I want to see Sylvie deal with that, and I didn't get to see that, so that was so that was part of my frustration with with the show, and I don't know I don't know that I'm going to get to see it because. I mean if Loki season 2 is not filming till next year presumably I'm not going to see it till 2023 probably and by that time I'm going to have seen you know four more movies that have dealt with this and yeah. who knows what TV shows so I don't know where I don't know where it's going to be and this is this is the flaw not the flaw but it's the it's the flaw or magic I guess depending on your point of view <laughs> of of Kevin Feige's new storytelling style, right? Where yeah. he's where he's just going to float around. I don't know when this is going to be concluded, uh, concluded or even touched again. Um, how much it will. We rely are hearing on that Loki comes in
0: between or not. Yeah, yeah.
1: We're hearing Loki's going to be on this show, right? or in, in this movie, he's supposed to be in Doctor Strange. So I I guess that's this Loki, uh, not some variant. I guess uh,
0: assuming so. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't know mm-hmm. how much. What's going to come in between now and season two of Loki is going to have an impact on that show. And like you, like I would be eager to see, okay, like let's pick up where we left off. But mm-hmm. if we see these characters showing up in different installments, then it means if 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 they quote-unquote matter, if there are quote-unquote stakes, it means that the characters are going to grow and change and so on and so forth before
1: mm-hmm. we see
0: them within the setting of Loki season two again. Don't know if we'll see Sylvie in any of the other installments, so that's stuff to be seen, but...
1: It hasn't been announced. Yeah. I mean, will when do Loki and Sylvie see each other again? Because you know, she kissed him and pushed him into another into another dimension. That's you know, and he's not the most forgiving person in the world. So 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 like that's yeah. gotta matter, but I don't know when that's gonna be addressed. Is it is that not gonna be am I not gonna find out more for two more years, or will she be like you said, will will she just randomly show up in Spider-Man? Who you knows? know, who knows?
0: Another um <laughs>
1: like I don't I have no <laughs>
0: Another connection between this Grand Inquisitor text and the Loki finale that really kind of tickled me was uh, that at the conclusion of the scene between Jesus Christ and the Inquisitor, Jesus Christ kisses the Inquisitor. And that's kind of like, (laughs) and that kind of just like stays with him and i was like oh that's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. like this idea of i don't know it it was just kind of funny there's also a line Mm -hmm. that i just wanted to share because it reminds me so much of what loki says in the first avengers film it says oh we will take good care to prove to them that they will become absolutely free only when they have abjured their freedom in our favor and submit to us absolutely so Mm -hmm. (laughs) so really really interesting um uh, it, it's technically, I guess it's it's considered a poem within the novel Brothers Karamazov. Within by Karamazov, Dostoy- yeah. Dostoyevsky.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I've never uh, read it. I've yeah. heard of it, but I've never read yeah, it. Yeah, well,
0: thanks to again to Daniel for for pointing me in that direction of looking at that as a, you know, if you want to consider the Loki series and that as a text set, it's kind of a, an interesting mm-hmm. thing to to reflect on. I did also mention the I, this article that I saw from Nerdist.com called The MCU's Unanswerable Question, Freedom or Security by Michael Walsh yeah. that was published on July 20th, 2021. And I, I think that what I got out of that article was a, a kind of cool summary with uh, littered with great quotes and examples from the Infinity Saga about how that question <laughs> has played out so far. And I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking where where this author is going and what I'm thinking is that that freedom versus security will kind of continue to be an underlying thread, but it's kind of maybe shifted more into this language of order versus chaos, right? Control versus free will is sort of what uh, what it seems to be transforming into. Is there anything that yeah, you took away from that article that you wanted to share or push back against? About the
1: theme, I, I don't know. I... I thought Walsh was making the argument that it's always been this, that that's what the MCU Mm -hmm. has always been about. The main theme has always been uh, like he, he goes very much in depth. Um, His argument is this is what Tony Stark's trying to do. Tony wants to put a, he wants to put a suit of armor around the world. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the same because I think, I don't think Tony's ever trying to remove will the way like Thanos is trying to impose ultimate order under Tony's yes. theory, no one ever notices that the suit of armor is there. So that's different, right? Tony's doing, there's some Foucault, M- Michel Foucault panopticon. Um, he's doing, he's doing a very different kind of, you know, it, it, is it really freedom if you're not really free and you don't know? It's not, like I guess, not really so much of Foucault, but an allegory of the cave, right? Like mm, there's, yes. there's lots of different theories, of, uh, theories here of if you don't know that you're free, Are you you? free? I mean, if you don't know that you're not free, then isn't that just as good as being free? And I think that's an interesting question. I just think it's a different question than under you know under under Sylvie and Loki's you know situation that Kang has or he who reigns Kang, whatever (laughs) that Kang has been like posed has posed them with. They have to decide. Whether they're exercising their free will or not. And I think that is a, to me, that's a different philosophical question. I see how they're related. So I don't know that I totally buy into Wash's argument, but I do think that um, he makes some good points about this being the next logical step. Yeah. At, you know, right. after we followed what starts in 2008 with Iron Man to this. I mean, he, he, and he goes all the way back to the beginning. He's like, Iron Man is this guy who, you know, He stops. He stops making weapons. His family had been justifying being arms dealers, and he stops doing that. But essentially, he's still doing the same thing. You know, with the I have privatized security. You know, (laughs) you're 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 real. You're still warmongering, and and I understand the argument that Walsh is making. And I think it's not where I would have gone, but I do think you know, I think it's an interesting start to a conversation that I have to consider more especially as we see you know because i have no idea what, i mean i know who the eternals are in the comics i have no idea what they're going to be in this movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is very that's the one that's very weird for me and yeah it, it, it's you know from
0: the it's trailers weird. like i'm wondering like are the eternals these protectors are the eternals what tony stark sort of envisioned like that there is this protective layer somewhere that will only step in Mm. when absolutely needed like I I don't understand because I don't know anything about the internals it's going to be really I I got
1: the I got the exact opposite viewpoint I thought I thought they were going to be these people who have sworn to never interact at all and then now it's like oh eh, that that didn't work out for us you know gotcha. <laughs> in the comics they're like i'm I, and i'm sure i mean the real answer is well we hadn't thought of them before so they couldn't have been there right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that was that's the real answer the comics eternals are they're uh, they're gods they're essentially um they're all analogs of mythological mostly greek gods okay um but they're not the actual, so they're not the actual gods. So in the comics, there are actual gods in the same way that they're, um, or they're actual um, Greek gods in the same way that there are Norse gods. So the comics have Thor and Odin, and they've also got Hercules and Zeus. And cool. then they've got these people who are the, who are the Eternals who aren't um, the Greek gods, but they sort of look like them. So, and the Greek gods know about it and they're like, yeah, just pretend you're us. And so, so back in the ancient days, people thought who thought they were worshiping Zeus and thought they were seeing Zeus were actually just seeing this guy named Zeraz who was just hanging out and looks kind of like Zeus. And they thought they were seeing Athena. They were actually seeing this woman whose name was Athena. Who's not <laughs> Athena? She's a different character, and that's who they all are. They're all these Mer- they, when they thought they were talking to Mercury, that was actually Mercury, <laughs> different guy. And, yeah, that's really and, funny. and that's that's the that's the comic story of Eternals. And then they're you know they've got like not quite godlike power, but pretty up there. And that's who they that's the beginning of the Eternals. It was a Jack, Jack Kirby was a very weird guy. He had some really weird ideas and. <laughs> I don't know if that's what this is going to be because, frankly, most people don't really care about the Eternals. I don't think Eternals would have happened if they hadn't botched in humans. I think this is, <laughs> I think, I think mm-hmm. this is, they make good on a concept that nobody, that nobody was really looking for. But, you know, it worked out really well for Guardians of the Galaxy. So let's see what happens. Can we? <laughs> so, like, that's where I think we're going with this. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. I'm real curious. Plus, I want to see Kumail Nanjiani with just like wearing the shirt as little as possible and <laughs> <new. laughs> his new body, which is kind of impressive.
0: It's it's a really excellent cast. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see that movie. And it seems like it could be bringing us in in bold new directions for the MCU. And, you know, more than anything, this this conversation that we've been having today, just every time I have these conversations, to be honest, just remind me how much I really do love what this franchise does and the stories that they tell and that there is so much that you can dig into and and if you want to engage with these movies or these shows on that level of like oh this looks fun I'm gonna watch it oh I went along for the ride for two hours that was all right uh or if you want to engage with it on the level of like let's read Dostoevsky and (laughs) and compare you know you can and I, I think that um I think that's what makes it so great. And I'm really looking forward to how phase four is going to enhance and expand on that even more. Me too.
1: I, I, to me, it's exciting not knowing where things are going, right? When you read literature for a living. And then when you add to that, like, For it's it's rare that like they do something in a comic book movie where I don't know where it's gonna go, right? Like so when I when I go and see Infinity War, the climactic part of Infinity War for most people is you get to the end and he snaps his fingers. Oh my god, he won! Oh my, the the bad guy won. Everybody disappeared. What the hell? And for me, it's like yeah, I I know because I read the story in 1997. Like I I I know how that (laughs) like I know what (laughs) Thanos does with the Infinity Gauntlet. I that's that has to happen because. That's what happened. So it was not surprising for me. I like that we're in this place where I don't know what's going on next. We're having a She-Hawk movie. I'm yeah. so excited for a She-Hawk movie or a TV show. Um, because I'm I was a big She Hawk fan and is and I'm hoping She Hawk is as weird as it, I mean, so I don't know how, I don't know what you know in the comics, in some versions of She Hawk, not all of them, but in some version of She Hawk, she has Deadpool powers where she's aware that she's in a comic book. <laughs> so I'm hoping that she has Deadpool abilities and she's aware she's in a TV show. Will she? I don't know. But like, I want to know that and like having new exciting things happening where, you know, we appear to be building towards young Avengers. That's cool. You know, <laughs> um, you know, like I, I don't want to know. I see you know, every time I see an interview with um with Andrew Garfield and people are killing Andrew Garfield, just continuously asking him if he's going to be in this movie or not. And he keeps saying no. And he, and no one believes him. I don't want to know if he's going to be in the movie or not. I don't want to know till I'm sitting in the theater and I see him or I don't see him. Agreed. And because I I love not knowing for once, like the you know maybe like with with Jonathan Majors, right? Like I knew he was going to be Kang, so it's not like I was surprised when he shows up and 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 loki and it's like oh well well, there he is you know (laughs) you know like i like the idea of being surprised by stuff the 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 fact that i don't know you know that that loki had surprises for me i didn't know that this was going to be the kind of show that it was going to be and that's exciting um like i i I never understand people who are trying to spoil things for themselves so I i like where the universe is
0: i'm with you there as we wrap up this conversation today are there some last thoughts that are lingering in your mind that you want to share?
1: No, I mean, there. I mean, it's weird. These are movies; they're not comics. Mm-hmm. The difference between comics and movies is, comics you get infinite retries, right? Like a you can a Captain America story can go on forever because all it costs us is more ink, and it's fine, like we're, we lost at the end of phase three. I, I I know people, some people think that we're going to see Chris Evans again. Some people think we're going to see Robert Downey Jr. Again. I don't know. Maybe one, maybe someday, but like, I'm fine with never seeing them again. I'm right. so excited about the future and and this, and the new direction. Florence Pugh and, all day starring yeah, I, yeah.
0: Florence Pugh yeah. And, and Tatiana Maslany, who is going to play She Hulk, who is absolutely incredible. The two of them they just play in every role. How about oh, that? <laughs>
1: were you an orphan? Were you an orphan? Black
0: fan? Oh yeah, because huge. if
1: you're yeah, if you've seen Orphan Black, she is she is amazing. Uh, yes. Tatiana, like for people who have not seen Tatiana Maslany before, she is quite possibly the greatest actress of all time. <laughs> um, she is, I'm so excited to see what she does with this. Um, so I think, like I said, the, the the unknowns are exciting. And I know, like, I, I've seen people like, oh, well, how are they going to do this with Robert, without Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man? In 2007, Robert Downey Jr. was a, was a washed up drug addict actor that right. no one cared about. Exactly. And Iron Man was a movie that they made because they had, they didn't have the rights to any characters that people did care about they didn't have spider-man so that's why that's why we made an iron man movie it's like uh it's the best we've got so give them a shot like i i'm excited to see where they go with new directions of you know an open universe for the first time like you know and i'm okay if, if some things fail you know i'm i'm yep. okay seeing things be like ah uh, you know you know frankly the the incredible hawk movie was not was not great you know like it and people forget that you know thor 2 was not great there's a lot of things that were that were not great i didn't like this episode of 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 loki i didn't hate it but i didn't like it on the tv side Inhumans was awful it's so bad if you've not seen it it's so so it's so bad it's awful so like, but I'm OK with, you know, uh, I'm OK with like taking the swing like, oh, let's let's try something new and different. So so much new and different happening. That's what I'm looking forward to.
0: And I'm right there with you, Mav. And thank you so much again for joining me to talk about the MCU. I'm
1: happy to. This is great.
0: And I anticipate that <laughs> we'll have uh, more opportunities love. to do so in the future <laughs> as well. And before we go, just remind our listeners where they can go if they want to listen to more of you or interact with you on the Internet
1: uh on the internet i am i am at chris maverick on all the socials um and i my these days mostly you hear me on either vox Popcast or gosh golly wow gosh golly wow is um actually you can just find them both on podcatchers you know of your choice but oh gosh oh golly oh wow the caliber podcast and vox Popcast, which is um it's vox pop p-o-p not pod. Um, cause I, I really thought it would be so clever when I named the show to like pick something that nobody could spell. I was like, Oh, that's great for branding. Um, but, um, but like I, we have conversations like this every week, usually some in-depth topic, not always, uh, sometimes the MCU, but often some other, other topic, usually all over the place. Hopefully, um, we'll have Tara back soon because like fantastic. you know, I, I, I wish I could have had you on for Fast and Furious that was such a great conversation I loved your Fast, yeah, and, go Furious my Fast and Furious the most important racial um, harmony show of our time or film series of our time and I'm serious about that and I give my reasons
0: if that's not enough to get internet. listeners to want to immediately go listen to it I don't know what would be it was a fantastic <laughs> conversation I'm also a big fan of those movies thank you so. <laughs> all right thanks again so much Mav
1: absolutely anytime
0: if you enjoyed this conversation about Phase 4 of the MCU so far, you can follow the podcast at nidea__podcast on Instagram and Twitter. You can find Mav at voxpopcast.com. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow on Instagram at bpenderillustrations, and music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Thank you for listening, and keep an eye out on your feed for my next episode, Favorite Needle Drops in the MCU.